Brood of Vipers, a story of murder set in a world where barely 1 in 10,000 have survived a global pandemic. Twelve years later, the survivors are trying to rebuild society. Episode 3, Hanged by the Neck. Helena and David are investigating the death of Sharon, an IT specialist. They are returning from the scene of the murder to the guest house where they are staying. When? I don't remember the path being so narrow. Let me take the lead. I should know the way. I'll suggest to them they should get the bushes cut back a bit, though. I thought you said you'd been here only last month. Well, yes. <laughs> Helena, grab my hand. It's the quarry, David. Somebody's moved the lamps. They've led us straight into the quarry. Hold on, Helena. Hold on. Someone must have moved the solar lights, so they lead directly to the edge. It's fortunate we weren't both down that quarry. Oh, we'd better collect these lights. Not that anyone else is likely to come this way tonight. Still, explains why the path was so unexpectedly narrow, though. Oh, yeah. Here's where they moved the lights. You can see the main path going on there on your right. Oh, nasty. Our murderer is not satisfied with just one killing. I think oh, we'd better get yeah. to the guest house. And then, well, in, in the morning, we'll, we'll finish the interviews before everyone goes back to the centre. And, and do we say anything about this little incident? Oh, I think not. At, at least not yet. Oh, right. Let's leave our murderer something to be uncertain about. Yeah, OK. Hello? Anyone up yet? Oh, good morning, Linda. Hi. I came to see if you were coming up to the Project Canteen for breakfast. Yes, but while you're here, Linda, could you tell us exactly what happened, starting when you left yesterday for the centre? Er, uh, yes. Well, we left early and got there before ten. Then I went to get our supplies and Moira Weishaw went to her meeting. We met again in the canteen after lunch. Then we saw Karim and the girls coming into the centre. And Moira said we should go back. Uh, so we did. Did you think it was seeing Karim that made her want to go back? Well, I, I suppose so. I mean, I know things aren't very good between them. And we all knew that's what the separate meetings were about. That was supposed to be confidential. Well, the office walls are very thin. If anyone raises their voice, we can all hear it. And voices did get raised? Yes. We just tried to keep out of it. So, what was everything like when you left yesterday morning? Ryan and Hyatt were taking the morning off to do some repairs to their house. They'd lost some tiles off the roof. And Karim was designing plastic mouldings for Andrew, the mechanic. And uh, Sharon? Um, she was running some stress tests on the network. Apparently there's been problems when too many people are online at the same time. Sharon loved working so much and she 
She was always so quiet. But she said to me that working on the project was the best time of her life. I understand. And she'd even started to have more confidence. I was with her last weekend when we met Big Harry. You know, the one who'd been harassing her. And she used to be all chewed up when she met him. But last weekend, she really stood up to him. Did she? Good for her. A more racial. What sort of mood was she in? She seemed, well, a bit edgy when we were going down to the centre. But on the way back, she seemed much happier. As if she was really trying to be nicer. And I was so glad, because I thought you and Hugh must have spoken to her. And perhaps things will be better. And then you got to the project. We got back to the project, and Moira offered to help with the supplies. And I felt so happy, because she's never been that nice before. Hmm. And it was so hot. I was just really glad to get out of the sun. Then I went into the workshop, but Sharon wasn't there, so I tried the loo. And Moira went to her office, and she was lying there, dead. And what did you do? Afterwards, I mean... Moira called me, so I came running. She checked Sharon really was dead, and and she was. Then Moira tried to move her arm, but it was all stiff and cold. So she told me to go and ring the centre and get help. And then I just went into the loo and I just cried. And do you know of anyone with anything against Sharon? No. <laughs> Unless you mean... Big Harry, I suppose. What about Hyatt? Uh, was she resentful of the time Karim and Sharon spent together? Oh, well, I suppose she did say she was having to try very hard not to be jealous. And was she jealous? Uh, I suppose so, a bit, or she wouldn't have said it. Oh, but not like that. Okay, thanks. That's helpful. Come on, let's go out for breakfast now. Could you spare David and me some time, please? About yesterday, yes, of course. Linda said you'd spoken to her. There's not much to say, though. Hyatt and me spent the day fixing some tiles on the roof, where the rain had come through, so we didn't see anyone that day, until Karen picked us up about midday on his way into the centre. Then, after we got back, he dropped us off back home until Linda rang through to tell us to come up to the project. Why did you come down to the centre with Karim? Well... We'd fixed the roof, and I suppose we just wanted to show Karen we supported him. So you were aware of the reason for the meetings yesterday? Well, I knew they didn't like each other. Moira Wachel and Karen, I mean. But I just tried to keep out of it. It only upsets Hyatt anyway, because she's got this thing about Karen. Oh yes, I think everyone knows about that except Karim. How serious do you think it is for her? Really serious. She's desperately in love with him. I think she'd do anything for him. Anything. Did she ever, ever resent Sharon working with Karim and and, and spending so much time with him? I suppose so, but Sharon always tried to let her talk to him and to be, well, tactful, I suppose you'd say. Did she feel jealousy towards Sharon? Well, yes, but no, not like that. Sit down, Hyatt. I feel so guilty. Like I did it. Why, Hyatt? Because I've been hating her and been jealous of her. 
because she was working with Karim and he never notices me. And Rianne told me I was being stupid because Karen doesn't go after married women and I was going to tell Sharon I was sorry and now I can't because she's dead. I think I understand, Hyatt. And you are right to tell me how you felt because I need to know everything about what happened so we can find out what happened to Sharon. Well, I know what everyone's thinking. They're thinking that Karen did it. Well, we're not. Well, he can't have done it. Karen's just not that sort of man. What? Can't have done the murder? So... Did you see anything? Anything you can tell us to prove that? No, I couldn't. Rianne and I were doing the roof all morning, but we were with him going to the centre and coming back, and I know he couldn't. He, he's too good a man to do a murder. Nobody has said that Karim did do it, or anyone else for that matter. But it's what they will say, isn't it? Well, I'm the High Council member in charge of this investigation. I'm not accusing anybody. Yet. Come with us back to the canteen. We've got one more visit to make to Sharon's and Brendan's house. And then we can all go back to the centre for the weekend. Thanks for being so understanding, Brendan, about having to search Sharon's things. No, I understand. It's murder and these things must be done. Oh, my poor Sharon. So... How long had you been together? Since about two years after the plague. Most of the time we lived in a cottage in Delamere Forest, living off food from a local warehouse. Then we got into contact with other survivors and heard about your group, so we came and joined you. As far as you know, uh, did either of you know any of the people from the time before? For me, uh, no. I think the same for her as well. Had she mentioned anyone threatening her? Anybody didn't like her? No, apart from Big Harry, of course, but you know about that. Well, yes, we are checking on that. She did seem a bit worried over the last couple of weeks, though, but she wouldn't say what it was about. Just said she didn't want to talk about him. She didn't say who it was? Uh, no, she didn't give a name. OK, thanks. You coming back to the centre with everyone else? Uh, oh, yes, I'll be ready soon. So, Hugh, they're all back, and I want to keep them here, at least until after the funeral and inquest. I'll go along with that. Have you come to any conclusions yet? Well, it's murder, obviously. I want to do a proper post-mortem, and then... Can we give you a report this afternoon? Very well. Now, what about the inquest? Do you want me to act as coroner? Aye, please. Would you be available Monday? If that's enough time for you. And the funeral? This afternoon. After I finish the post-mortem, the weather's too hot to delay it any longer. And that's our very own group, the survivors, once again proving that we have talent to equal anything pre-plague. Sad news first. Sharon's funeral will be held this evening at five o'clock and we sent all our condolences to Brendan. But there's good news for me at least. Dr Ryan says he should be able to sign me off as fully recovered by the end of next week. So this is my last few days here on the radio. Then I'll be back working in the forge with Kevin while Granny Ellen will be here again presenting your music of choice. And the first item in this afternoon's show isn't from someone who's phoned in. 
She's here in person, and it's Moira Wayshell. Good morning, Moira. Good morning, Denny. And what do you have for us today? Well, I'm afraid it's not something very pleasant, but it is something that has to be dealt with today. You mean what happened to Sharon, the murder? Quite. But of course we don't officially know yet what happened, though I'm sure Chairman Hugh will be announcing the date of the inquest quite shortly. I've been asked as a representative of a group who feel concerned for the well-being of this community to raise the question of what will happen should some person, purely hypothetically of course, be found guilty of murder. Oh. I, as I understand it, and of course I am open to correction, we have no laws on how we should deal with serious crimes such as murder. So I think this is the time, before we know who did it, or even what actually happened, for us to think as a community how we should respond if it should turn out that we do, in fact, for the first time, have a murderer amongst us. There was that case of... Yes, quite, although it was before I joined this community. But as I understand it, in that case, the guilty party absconded into exile before she could be brought to justice. So that case doesn't really furnish us with a precedent... And I really do feel we should decide beforehand what courses are open to us so that we can discuss it in an impartial and balanced way. You mean you want to propose a new law to a group meeting? Quite. I've not been part of this community long enough to have taken part in one personally, but I understand it involves two meetings of the whole community, one Saturday night to propose the new law and vote on it, and then a second one a week later to hold a second ballot on it. So what are you proposing? Well, I think there is only one option. We can't put people in a prison, even if we had one, because we can't afford the cost of the manpower to guard it properly. We can't afford to leave a murderer free. Who knows how many more innocent people they may kill? After all, supposing our last murderer, the one we let escape, supposing it turns out she has committed more murders, won't we be partially responsible for the deaths of those other victims? I'm afraid there is no alternative to the traditional penalty for murder. And while I understand that this may be difficult for many to accept, we do not have the old world luxury of charity to those who commit such a heinous crime. So uh, you, your suggestion we should hang murderers, even though there's so few of us left anyway? Well, if we leave them free to kill again, then I'm afraid we will have even fewer of us left. But of course this is something we will have to vote on. Because we are a democracy, and I hope that people will consider our, our duty to each other to care and protect the innocent from those who would show no pity to people like Sharon. So I'm going to Chairman Hughes straight after the funeral of the poor girl on behalf of a group of signatories to bring up a special resolution at the group meeting tonight. Can, can I break in there, Moira? Granny Allen tells me we've got a call from Brendan. Hello, Denny. Uh, I just wanted to say I agree with Moira. I'm so grateful for the support she's given me since my terrible loss. There's nothing that could bring my wife back, and I'm determined to make sure no one else has to suffer the same fate as she did. And if anyone else wants to contribute to this discussion, just ring Granny Ellen by phone or two-way radio. I'm sorry, Helen Ellen. I agree it's pretty poor timing just before the funeral, but I can't intervene. Look, having to bury Sharon is traumatic enough for everyone anyway. She's made it ten times worse by what she's done. And Maura's wrong. Taking life is wrong. For <sighs> me, 
we have our life as a gift from God. It's not ours to take it from someone else, except under the most compelling circumstances. And if we do, then we answer to God. And you, Helena, you object to the timing of her suggestion. Do you object to the principle she's putting forward as well? No, I'm an agnostic, but I'm with David. As far as I'm concerned, this life is all we have. It's a moral principle for me, and the two wrongs don't make right. If this life is all we have, then human life is the nearest thing to sacred that I can think of. We're supposed to be building a better world, not going back to the Wild West lynching parties. Who are we to say who lives and who dies? That makes us as bad as any murderer. We have to find a better way. And it's not being done, honestly. She talks about deciding in an open and impartial way, but... I don't see that happening. We won't be discussing capital punishment as an abstract issue. We'll be talking about hanging Karim Mm. because everyone is assuming he did it. And one day's notice. It may be within the letter of our covenant, but you don't decide something like this in just a couple of days. And, and the way it was brought up, springing the proposal on young Denny like that, ugh, He's a nice lad, but he's only a kid. He couldn't stand up to her like an older person could. She railroaded him. That's abuse. He is 19 years old, and we agree that anyone over 18 is an adult. And Moira? What do you make of her (sighs) behaviour? Look, if you ask me my personal opinion of her, then no, she's not my favourite person. But we agreed that free speech is in our covenant. And if free speech is not for people we disapprove of, then it's not free speech. You talk to principles. One of my principles is that a leader has to be answerable to those that he leads. Do you really want me to set a precedent that the chairman of this community can override any of the laws that's been passed in any group meeting by the people of this community just because he or she disapproves of them? So where do you stand? Will I vote for her suggestion? Well... As of now, I'd say no. But she does have a point that deserves an answer. Can you leave someone who was killed free to kill again? And what else do you propose instead of hanging? I mean, can we afford to run a prison with our resources? Do you want to enslave people or or maim them in some way? Because that's what other societies have done. And if you say send them into exile, what if they don't go? What if they just hang around waiting for their next victim? Which is the greater value? The life of a murderer or the life of their next victim? No, very well. But I want to oppose it, officially and publicly, as your part-time head of security. I would expect no less. That is your right of free speech as a sincere humanist, as a doctor and as my head of security. Just as it's David's right to speak as an elder of his church and and Moira's to speak for her people, whoever they are. Thank you. Look, and as head of security... I would like a report from you on where we are with this case. Oh, okay. Look, we've interviewed everyone. Moira and Linda certainly can't have done it. They were here with you. Hyatt and Rianne, well, they're each other's alibi, so they could have done it together, but there's no trace of motive. Brendan could have done it, but he claims he was working over the community internet. I'm going to check the access logs from the server to see if that's true. Others? (laughs) I've sent Otto off to Manchester to try and find Big Harry and Amber, but that may not actually prove anything. All Otto can prove is where they were when he meets them, not where they were yesterday. Which, I'm afraid, leaves Karim. 
Unless you have some hypothetical outsider involved. Are we sure of the time of death? Within limits, yes. You can judge it from the onset of rigor mortis. It's not exact. It goes faster in hot weather, for example. But it had started when Moira and Linda found Sharon's body because they reported it as stiff. Wasn't quite as strongly developed as I'd expected once I got to see the body for myself, but it, it was certainly well on the way. Based on that, I'd have put the time of death at about midday, maybe a little earlier. Okay, and the motivation? Oh, none that we can see, apart from the trouble she had with Big Harry. I want to get access to Sharon's emails and private logs. Okay, look, try VJ. She knows the IT systems, but she does have trouble explaining it to ordinary mortals. <laughs> Thanks, I will. And I'll see you tomorrow after the meeting. Access logs for the afternoon of the murder? Yes, I can get those. Any particular person? Aye, Brendan. C can you email it to me? I can put it into a Dropbox for you. Um, no, no, email will do fine, VJ, honestly. Okay, they're sent. And, oh, the other thing is, the passwords for Sharon and the other people at the Light Industry Project. I'm sorry, Helena, but all the project passwords are held by Moira Weishel. Oh, all of them? It, is there no way you can get them, VJ? No, it's just an MD5 hash, so you can't decrypt it. Oh, MD5 hash, okay. So, ask Moira. I'm afraid so, sorry. Good afternoon, Moira. Good afternoon, Helena. And how are we today? Well, there is something you can help us with. Of course. Though I hope it won't take too long. I do want to be at the Saturday group meeting tonight. It's a very quick question. I've just been speaking to VJ about getting access to Sharon's PC. She tells me you're the one with the passwords for the project. Yes, that's right. I thought it would be safer to hold them in one place, just in case something happened. Although, of course, I never expected anything as dreadful as this. Well, if you can give them to me, please, I'd be very grateful. Of course. Let me get them for you. Then we can walk down to the group meeting together. Yes. Thank you. Now... You've heard Moira's proposal that capital punishment is necessary to protect the innocent. You've heard it seconded by Brendan, who says that it is morally right that the punishment should reflect the severity of the crime, neither more nor less. You've heard Helena oppose it, saying that to her as a humanist, the taking of life is the ultimate crime, and that we should not lower ourselves to the immorality of those who steal the most fundamental possession of all of us. You've heard David who says that as an elder of his church, life is God's greatest gift to each one of us, and that gift from God should not be taken away except in the most urgent and compelling circumstances. You've heard Cathy ask, what do we do if it turns out we made a mistake and hanged an innocent man? Well, let me remind you of our law, under the covenant that we made together. In a few minutes, we're going to vote secretly. Here and in each settlement that is listening over the radio. 
If this motion gets 50% support, then we give it one week to think it over. Then we come back to a meeting next Saturday and we vote again. If that vote is passed, then the resolution becomes part of our law, part of our covenant together. Let the vote begin. Thank you, thank you. Look, can we have the final result, please? The proposal that as just punishment and for the protection of the innocent, those who deliberately commit murder should be sentenced to death for 56.3% against 43.7%. Thank you. Then the motion is carried. And we'll meet again next week for the second vote. She's won. And she's determined Karim's going to die. Whatever it takes. Anyway, at least we've got Sharon's login details. Let's go and look at her emails now. Yes, come on. I don't feel too clean around that woman. I'll get my notebook, meet you in the computer suite. Okay. Uh, see you then. Hello, Helena. Hello, Hyatt. I saw Karen. He says you've asked him not to leave his room. Does that mean he's under arrest? Well, if you like, yes, I suppose so. But it's under arrest, not charged with anything. You mean, not charged with anything yet? That's for the inquest to decide. And then if he is charged, it's for the jury. That's what our covenant says. And if he's found guilty, then he'll hang. Because that's what she wants, isn't it? You heard what I said tonight. I stand by that. But if the people vote for something in two secret votes, then it becomes part of our covenant together. And we do whatever the people vote for. No matter how many lies are told to justify it, and to, no matter how immoral and wicked and, and hate-driven it is, does that make it morally right because the people voted for it? Oh, Hyatt, I... I... Oh! Is she OK? Oh, she asked what do we do if the people freely and democratically vote for something morally wrong, and... Oh, I couldn't answer her because... I haven't got an answer myself. <sighs> Let me talk to her. There's plenty of time before next week's vote. Though only seven days. Everything I know of Karim says he's one of the most honourable men I've met. But every piece of evidence I see points to him. The medical evidence of rigor mortis showing the time of death. I've seen the server log showing Brendan was working on his PC all day. The evidence of all the other girls. They all confirm that unless we can show Big Harry wasn't in Manchester, Karim is the only one who could have done it. But, ugh, I know the man. I just don't believe it of him. Well, let's just go and see what Sharon's diary says. So you've uh, logged on as Sharon. Yes, David, and no, nothing in her emails. And her personal log? Is here. Oh, my God. Look at these, David. Look at these. I was wrong. I think we found the murderer. That was episode three of Brood of Vipers. A play for radio by 11 players.
Tune in for the next episode. Accusation of murder. <laughs>